This week I sat down with my sister Mary. She, along with my entire immediate family, have given my son, my husband, and I support from day one of my son's diagnosis with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. In this episode, Mary and I talk specifically about her experience after hearing the news. We talk about how she navigated grief and allowed her coworkers and friends to become a part of the conversation to fill her heart. She shares with us how she supported my son while being out of state, as well as her experience at CureFest in Washington, D.C. this past September. She informs us about her work as marketing director by day and yoga instructor, cacao, and women's circle leader by night. We talk about the similarities in our desire to help others, especially when we're struggling. She casts her vision to provide personalized yoga instruction, specifically trauma yoga instruction, to members of this community, as well as others going through challenging times. My hope for this episode is to share some ideas that may be helpful as you and your family navigate this journey. Well, thank you again for tuning in to the All Mama Care podcast. Tonight, I have a very special guest on the podcast tonight, my sister, Mary. Mary, how are you? Hi. <laughs> Happy to be here. Happy New Year. I'm so yeah. I'm so sad that you went back to DC. It was such a fun time having the whole family back in Massachusetts and we really created some awesome memories. We really did. It was the best. So my sister Mary lives in DC and she has obviously been a huge part into um one of the reasons why our family it, I feel is doing very well despite um, my son's diagnosis with leukemia. So I wanted to bring Mary on the podcast and talk about how many things, but to talk about specifically how to support family members uh, when you're out of state. And Mary also is going to be talking about her yoga teaching and a specific training that she went to that involves trauma yoga. I'm just so excited to dive in and really get this time to talk with you about all of this, Mare, because since Ollie was diagnosed, I don't think we've really had the time to sit down and, and like shuffle through all of this. So, I so I feel like life has just been going so fast that we initially talked about it so much and it's become such like a part of our day-to-day lives, but we really haven't had like a pointed conversation about how I'm feeling and how you're feeling. We're just kind of like existing day to day. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, you a little bit about your background and obviously they know that you're my sister, but maybe a little bit about what you've been up to and when you started yoga teaching, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Where to start? As Jeff said, I live in Washington, D.C. I've been living down here for about seven and a half years now. I work in marketing and also teach yoga by night and lead women's circles down here in D.C. and also different types of ceremonial cacao circles as well. But yoga has been a true passion of mine and has been also a big part of my healing journey through 
all of the stages of grief that have really come into my life personally over the last year or so. So yeah, that's that's really the overarching piece of it. Let's kind of just talk about, I mean, that, that day, I don't know about you, Mayor, but that day that we, you know, got the diagnosis as burned in my brain. Um, and I remember, you know, mom calling you and I'm going to try not to get too emotional, but I remember mom calling you and, um, I never really got a chance to talk to you about how you were on the receiving end of that news. So, um, Maybe we can take a little bit of time and just kind of talk about that and process that. Yeah. Yeah. It still feels like it was yesterday. Initially, you know, I just remember my entire body going cold, like in complete shock. And then, of course, with that shock comes a wave of questions and unknowns just running through your mind. Also, I'm sure for a lot of a lot of the listeners, too, just really diving into that worst case scenario situation. So that was that was really tough. It was also really tough to receive that news when I was by myself um, in my apartment at the time too, because all you want to do at that point is just collapse and touch and hug someone. Um, so that was really, really, really challenging. I remember just kind of collapsing and sobbing while I was on the phone with mom, spoke with our other sister, Danae, and we were just sobbing. Um, so, yeah, that I haven't really thought about that initial moment for a while now, but that it still kind of brings tears to my eyes. It, it was a really, really, really tough, tough, tough situation. I mean, you never think that your family is going to be in something like this or experience something like this. So it was really just initial um, shock. Then from there, you know, I booked a flight within the hour, flew home that next day, obviously wanted to support you as much as possible and just be there for you physically. felt like that was the, the absolute best thing that I could do. So flew home and from there, our family just really hibernated, I would say, for about two weeks. I think I took like two weeks off from work or something like that and just moved back home, as did Dee as well. And I think at that point, I was at the hospital almost every single day to really be there to support you, Ryan, and Ollie, because you guys were in the hospital for, was it two weeks? Was it yeah, it was 13 days. 13 days, right? Mm-hmm. So we tried to go every single day. And that was great because that honestly, like just having you physically there made such a difference and just being surrounded, you know, the shift of people from mom, dad, you and D, and then Ryan's side of the family came and, and that kind of broke up everything and just, it was nice. So nice to have visitors too. And yeah, so that it was, it was wonderful. So thank you for coming home so quickly because it really helped in the initial first yeah. two weeks. And also, I mean, you guys were receiving so much information. So it's like we had to kind of form this army of people who were receiving information from doctors and 
you're just you're trying to absorb all of this information about the prognosis, but you're also grieving so heavily too. So all of us were kind of receiving these like bits and pieces of information, which was helpful because we're all kind of like hearing it differently based upon where where we were at emotionally that day. Um, so I think that was a really, really helpful part. But then just kind of like second, I got kind of like a second wave a couple days in and I coped by taking action. And I know that you had a similar type of approach too. So I kind of put my project management hat on, um, which is what I do for a living. And I think from there, we talked about organizing a GoFundMe, helped to really like field questions and messages on behalf of you and Rye so that you then weren't inundated um, with information. Helped write thank you notes to everyone that donated. Yeah, that was a huge help. Just setting up the GoFundMe page and, you know, all the messaging and the wording behind that. And then, you know, you taking part and co-managing it with Ryan and really taking the lead on that was just so nice because we had to focus on Ollie. And like you said, Mayor, there was so much information getting thrown at us. We were Mm. in medical school and I definitely, you know, agree with you in that action really helped me kind of just like put my hat on and like move through the hardest nightmare ever. And, um, and it was really helpful because there were only so many hours in the day and there was honestly just like so much strength. It was limited at that point. So you were my arms in my, in my mind and, and an extension in me. And I really just want to take a minute and thank you so much for that. Cause I really, really appreciate that you would do the same for me in a heartbeat in a heartbeat definitely and I think also it helped us I mean you and I are similar in the sense where we like to take action because that made sense to us whereas the diagnosis didn't make sense like we couldn't make sense of it we couldn't really wrap our heads around like what the heck was happening so we could make sense then of taking action and checking off like the box of different things to try to complete something. Yeah. Whereas like there were just so many unknowns. We're like, okay, what can we control at this point? Yeah. And you took the words right out of my my mouth. It really for me was gaining a sense of control in a situation where I had absolutely no control over what was going on in terms of, you know, what we had to do in order to get, get him going with treatment. So, um, so that for me definitely was very, very helpful because yes, Mm -hmm. like you said, I'm definitely an action oriented person and I like to check off boxes and that was so helpful. Now, Ryan, on the other hand, wanted no part in any of that. Mm -hmm. And that's why we compliment each other. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, to the listeners that are in, um, you know, the very, initial couple of months that is totally fine too because everybody handles the news like this and um their process of grief it's individual for everybody so there um there's no right way to handle any of this news because none of us should be receiving this news in the first place so 
So yeah, if you have family members or even friends that, you know, are extending a hand and, you know, maybe at the time you don't feel comfortable saying yes, um, just kind of keep it in the back of your mind because when people hear such news like that, they don't know what to do. So the more that you can give them tangible direction on how to help you in a situation, the better it is. So Mary, thanks again for just saying like, Hey, I'm going to scoop up the GoFundMe. I'm going to start that. Cause I couldn't even, I didn't have the bandwidth mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. And I think what you did really well was just accepting the help from others. And I, I think that, you know, it's one thing to really assign ways that people can help, but it's another thing to actually like receive the help from others as well. And I, I think that that's hard for some people. I mean, I know it is for me personally to really receive help from others and let others fully support you. But now during a time, especially if you're going through the first initial stages of this type of a, a diagnosis with your child, like it's just so important that you let others like lift you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, it, it can feel really uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. to be honest, like if you just do it one time, it does get easier the second time around. Mm-hmm. Totally. So we already talked a little bit about like what thoughts and fears, you know, went through your mind when you heard, um, you know, that Ollie had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, but were there um, any other uh, strengths? And I think we kind of like talked about this, that, you know, you had said that your strengths were really to take action in that moment. Were there any other strengths that you felt kind of just blossomed within you during that like really hard moment? Yeah. I was reflecting on this a little bit um, a couple months ago. And so I know we, you and I both love like the love languages. So mine is acts of service. So I just noticed that my love language being acts of service just completely blossomed. So that anyone that's not aware of what the love language is, essentially in a nutshell, is that there are five different ways that people show each other that they love each other. And so mine's acts of, acts of service. I show people that I love them through doing things for others. So you know, it's just kind of reflecting on how, like, what I did during that time, like, bringing food to the hospital, even just running to get clothes from, like, your and Rye's apartment. I think at one point I was, like, at City Hall. I don't remember why. You had to go get Ollie's birth certificate. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I was at, like, yeah, I was at City Hall. I was mm-hmm. like, what did I do there? Get Ollie's birth certificate. Yeah. Um, and then we set up the Facebook page, which mm-hmm. was, is a huge, huge, huge source of just our story as a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I've gained there. so much strength from that. Just hearing oh, from members of the community key. that yeah. and in and friends of friends that I don't even I've never even met there. I mean, during the first nine months of treatment, I was on that daily and that was a source of strength for me. So. Setting that up initially was, you know, a little daunting and it, and it seemed for me a little uncomfortable to kind of like put everything out there. But at the time I was like, I talked to Ryan, I'm like, this is not private. Like we are grieving so hard right now. Like my heart can't take this. I need others Mm -hmm. to take this pain. 
and to hear our story and, you know, just to pray for us and just keep us in their thoughts because we need miracles. I know that, I mean, that Facebook page has just blossomed and you've been doing such a good job at continuing to update it and just engaging people all over the world for the most part that want to hear Ali. I remember like, I always look at the engagement of like whenever a photo goes up. And oh, you I do? Feel like, I always feel like Ali Bear is like a, he's like a celebrity <laughs> in my mind. Like yeah. everyone just loves to just see how he's doing. So that's been, that's been a, a great part of yeah. the story. It's definitely been helpful to hear from others and then, you know, to hear other people's journey and, and how they got through a tough diagnosis like that. It's really been a source of community. Yeah. And community is huge. I mean, just being out of state to like how to support from out of state, getting involved in like local events or just really sharing with your community what's going on. I remember at first I would get offended when people wouldn't ask me how Ollie was doing. But then eventually I started to understand that many were afraid to bring it up because they knew that I was coping with it. I was I would get upset at first. But it, it felt good to share with my local community because then the more that when they did start to ask and the more I opened up, the more connected I felt to you and Ollie and Rye. And that's really interesting because I just completed the grief recovery method. It was a seven-week program, and that is exactly what I learned in the program, Mare. So mm, that, you know, say? well, that we in our society, we don't feel comfortable talking about grief. It's really yeah. hard, and it's not something that we are... Mm, kind of trained on, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of, um, it's kind of been passed down generation to generation, um, in, in certain families and, you know, it can vary through cultures, but, you know, many times people will say, you know, I don't want to bother you or, you know, I, I don't, you know, just give that person some time. They just need time to digest. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear you say the words, like I would get upset when people didn't ask, it's just kind of eye-opening to hear that from you because in my mind, I, I felt better when I talked about everything because I was getting it out of my heart. I was just kind of in a way, just like getting it out of my system and passing it on to another person, not to burden them, but to get it off my heart because it was so heavy. Yeah, no, I did too. I would get upset if people didn't ask me about him. Like, I wanted people to ask me about him. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, how dare you not ask me about him? Mm. Like, I was like, of course you should ask me about Ollie and how I'm doing. But yeah, to your point, like, pe- like not a lot of people are super comfortable Mm-hmm. asking about that or or maybe they're afraid of kind of opening up the floodgates because they're not sure how to hold space for someone that is grieving that hard. Mm-hmm. How did you get around that? How did you make it okay for others to ask you? I would give them permission. So anyone that did ask me, I would open up and I would say, thanks so much for asking. I really appreciate it. 
if someone wasn't asking me, I would then, if they asked me how I was doing just more generally, I would say, I would insert Ollie into the conversation be like, yeah, I'm hanging in there. Jackie's really strong. Ryan's really strong. Ollie's he's doing good. This is what's happening. Then they would come back with, oh, thanks for sharing. I, I was afraid to bring it up. Mm, so and I'd say, permission. I, I, I said, no, I, I would like you to bring it up. It actually helps me to talk about it. And then they would say, okay, great. And so then they knew next time around it was okay to ask, but I had to be the one that kind of gave them that okay. Mm, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm just thinking like that in a work setting, that must have been really hard. Or was it hard? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely hard. Um, I remember I was specifically like on a conference call and one of my clients asked about him mm-hmm. and I could feel my throat locking and like my eyes starting to well up. So I would just quickly in that situation be like, you know, he's hanging in there. He's, he's a little trooper. And then I would move on. Yeah. So like in that circumstance, you were kind of able to gauge like how open you could be, but you still allowed yourself to like not check off the box, but you still kind of allowed yourself to get it a little bit off your heart where it wasn't just um, ignoring the question. Totally. Like still, still acknowledging that they asked, still saying, thanks so much for asking. I appreciate it. Like he's doing good, Mm -hmm. but then having to kind of transition because they had to lead like a call after that or something. Right. Right. Wow. Thanks so much for sharing that because again, it's, you know, this conversation that we're having, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's like a therapy session kind of because it's so intimate and it really just cuts you to the core. I mean, we're talking about your one and only nephew right now and my only baby. So, so I, I really appreciate you, Mary, you know, opening up because, um, because this is, this stuff is kind of hard to talk about. So, so thank yeah, you. Of course, of course. To switch gears a little bit, I wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about changes in family dynamics. Has it shifted? Are there any thoughts around, the dynamics of our family, have they changed for the better, the worse? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's actually brought us closer. All of us don't really dance around like our needs or desires anymore. I think that you really paved the way, like always, being the oldest child, experiencing everything first. (laughs) Good and bad, right? Good and bad. Um, are sharp when it comes to expressing your needs not no? a, not always now i am now I well am. that's i'm saying mm. experience mm. has really forced you to mm-hmm. um but i do think that we're all awesome communicators with each other i initially i remember having a conversation with Dee, our other sister where we were just saying we felt like we had zero time for superficial conversations and our BS meters were at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I think I remember talking about this with you too, mm-hmm. where you were just like, "I have no time to like dance around mm-hmm. things anymore. I want to just like be real with people, 
I want to be vulnerable with people. I want to be raw with people. Mm-hmm. That is so true. So that was like, that's been a big, big change, I think, for all of us, which is, I would say, is a positive. There's a lot of communication around Ollie's journey, which is great for us, especially, you know, me and Dee, who don't live in Massachusetts. It, it's definitely been hard to receive updates. I think initially, you know, it was a lot of information and it was hard to go back to DC to being away and just reading the updates. Um, but I think in the end, all of the updates has helped us continue to stay close to you guys and, and really feel involved and it's brought us closer and even being together at Christmas, I was just reflecting on how much I really love and respect our family structure so much mm-hmm. because we really, really come together and would just do anything for you. Ollie and Rye at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm impressed at how close we are and how we would we would do anything for each other. Yeah, I totally agree. It's you know, every family structure is different and everybody's circumstance is different and how they handle um, a diagnosis like this, but we have been very lucky in that, you know, it's been exactly what you said, Mare. Just we are cut to the core, like very direct and um, being really open and honest about what our needs are or, you know, questioning like, hey, how can I support you? Or how do you feel about this? Or, hey, do you want to talk about this? Or what do you think about this idea? And so really being able, like you said, to just like cut through all the like, you know, BS and just be really direct with each other has been really helpful. And it's been so helpful, um, you know, for me as a mom too. And and it's really, I don't know about you, but it's given me more confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a like confidence comes from speaking your truth, right? So the more raw and real and vulnerable we can be with one another we're speaking our truth which leads to us feeling really confident and secure in our desires and needs that's such a good point and i hear a little bit of yoga teacher in you which yeah. we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit <laughs> that's um that's mary's teacher voice but so actually that kind of rolls us into what tools did you find helpful either mentally or physically as you know you were going through the the really prime of treatment um the past nine months and now we're in long-term maintenance but what tools did you use uh, mentally or physically on your end and i i kind of know what you're going to say but i wanted (laughs) to ask the question and pose it i know well first spiritual practices and tools that I always pull out of my toolbox um, for about two solid months. So as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm a yoga teacher, I'm a daily meditator, um, but I totally removed myself from taking classes, teaching. And I noticed when I was actually doing my year in review for 2019 that I didn't journal the entire month of March. So it was as if like I didn't even like exist (laughs) the -hmm. entire month of like February through March I was like what did I do I was was just crying yeah I was just crying like I don't 
remember mm-hmm. what I did. Mm-hmm. I was just, I think I was crying. Um, so totally fell off the wagon in terms of those tools I did use at first initially, but then was able to, um, I started to go to church the last few weeks of March because I just truly didn't know how to handle the pain. And that helped to push me out of this dark hole that I was feeling. Um, and then I was fortunate enough, I had booked a trip to Peru for a yoga retreat in mid-April. Um, so I had booked that a, a long time ago. And that was really the springboard in terms of starting to find my footing and faith and connection. Um, and my grounding again, but, um, tools for me, obviously, once I did get out of that hole, um, practicing and teaching yoga, um, helping others, like anything around just really helping others through their personal pain as well was a huge part of my healing journey. And just as an empath, like that's just how I relate to people is by helping them, supporting them. So. Going back to yoga, um, and then journaling, meditation. I travel a good bit for work, so that was always good too, just to kind of like displace myself a bit and get out of the normal routine. But then the biggest piece was really taking, um, I signed up for a trauma yoga teacher training. Was that back in June? That was back in October. Oh, okay. Again, like the whole nine months were just like, (laughs) All meshed together. Okay, so back in October. So it's. But you know what? I was talking about it with you because I had been wanting to sign up for a long time mm-hmm. back in the summer. And I think we talked about it. Yeah. At, like in Rhode Island. Um, so signed up for the trauma yoga teacher training. And, you know, my inspiration for that, of course, was you and Ollie and just really helping people through the whole premise of. You're trained as a yoga teacher specifically to teach classes for people that are suffering from PTSD or very severe um, depression or even to marginalized communities, people that are in jails or, you know, battered women's shelters. So teaching yoga in a way that is accessible for people that are going through really, really, really heavy things. So there's a specific way to teach. There's a specific language that you use. And so with this trauma yoga teacher training, um, I remember, you know, talking with you about how it would be awesome to one day even teach classes to people in their homes. So when the baby goes down or when the child goes down for a nap, for example, kind of like similar to what your child life specialist does or the music therapist does, like going to see mom. And teaching her a quick class or, or dad or the caretaker. Or mm-hmm. Totally. That's an awesome idea because yeah. you bring up a really good point. I mean, right now I'm not working and just being home is a full-time job. And even today was the first time in as long as I can remember, but you know, Ollie got sick this morning. So that was really tough. You know, of course I, I felt like, okay, you know, I got this. I know what I need to do. I am very confident in my ability to take care of him, called our team right away. But it's a lot when you have days that start out like that. And so yeah. the more that the services can be in the home or, you know, either 
at the hospital where there's like a group time or a meeting time that can be coordinated with the social worker in the hospital. That sounds like an excellent idea because there are people that are listening that are stuck in the hospital uh, Mm -hmm. for months on end. And that, you know, helps to break up stuff. And of course, as parents and caregivers, you the last thing you want to do is leave your child's bedside. I mean, I didn't leave Ollie for 13 days. I didn't want to go anywhere. I went down to the cafeteria and as soon as I got down there, I started crying and I went back up. So to be able to provide a service like that just sounds wonderful, Mary. So I, you know, hope to support you in any way that I can to make that really come, become fruitful for you. Yeah, totally. Now, I mean, even if it's, you know, while the child is playing, going to the room, the hospital room, and just doing some breath work or doing some meditation with the mom or the dad or the caretaker, just to kind of take them away, even if it's for a couple of, of quick moments, mm-hmm. just to reset for some relief. I remember with you, like, <laughs> we were just like, we got to get Jackie to take a walk in the park. Oh. We were like, we got to make sure she gets outside. I was just, like, chained to the room. You were, I know, but like making, trying to encourage, you know, going to the cafeteria or going to get some fresh air, just stepping outside. Mm-hmm. So some type of a change of environment or some type of a change of a mindset totally could be accomplished through this type of a service that I would love to do one day. So that's on the goals board. I don't know if it's 2020. We'll see. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you did, um, you know, get me into the whole world of essential oils. And I know, you know, there are listeners (laughs) that are very, you know, skeptical about them or want to learn more about them. But I didn't know much about them. But as soon as Ollie was diagnosed, I know, um, Mary, you had a subscription with doTERRA. um, Mm -hmm. And literally, like, the second day I made sure it was okay with our oncologist team to have aromatherapy in the room. And that thing was pumping night and day. And <laughs> thank goodness, because yeah. even all the nurses that came in and all the cleaning staff were like, your room smells amazing. I'm like, I know it smells so know. good. And it was so relaxing. And it, like that for me just was so nice in that moment where I wouldn't even have thought like, to, you know, get some aromatherapy going, but it really, for me and my experience, and even for Ollie made a humongous difference because, you know, I had joked in the past and even now, like if the diffuser is not on, he'll point to it and say like, mom, like, why isn't it on? You know, because it's going, yeah, it's going all the time, but that is a whole nother podcast where we, you know, really need to dive into that, but we will get to that. Maybe that's on the goal board for 2020 for the All Mama Care podcast. I just want to be conscious of, you know, your time there. I think the last thing or the last two things I really wanted to talk about are some ways that you supported us when you're out of state. I know you had attended the Cure Fest in DC. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you experienced and what was going on when you were there? Yeah, absolutely. So CureFest, it's a huge event that takes place for a weekend on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. And the whole purpose of CureFest is to really raise awareness about childhood cancer research and make it a national priority. And what its mission is really trying to do is to unite childhood cancer community, the general public, 
the medical community and other elected leaders as one voice against childhood cancer. While I was there, I mean, it was a really family-friendly atmosphere. They had a rally. There was a candlelight vigil. There was a walk, which is what really drew me into it. So it was a pretty short walk, but there were a ton of people involved. There were games, there were activities, and live entertainment. And another part of it that moved me the most was the fact that a lot of the childhood cancer survivors were there with their families. And they ended up getting on stage, singing a song, and we just really honored all of the kids that had survived. And then it was really cute because after we honored them, they brought all of the children's siblings onto the stage too. Cool. And we honored the siblings and sang them a song. So that was probably my favorite part of it. Yeah, that must have been really emotional. I'm getting emotional just like visualizing that happening because as you know, the whole family really goes through the treatment along with the the patient. And so I wish I could have been there, but I was so happy that you are our feet on the ground and, you know, you are representing Ollie and our family. And I really hope to be a part of it, you know, in the years to come. And it would be a wonderful experience to go to DC with Ollie and like, be you know on the national mall and and be a part of such a wonderful celebration of life really yeah absolutely you guys will you guys will get down here we'll get down there for sure also Mayor, i wanted to ask you trying to think oh yeah fundraising so did you have to raise any funds in order to participate or was it an open event for anyone that wanted to join like that day yeah, so it's actually an open event, but what you can do is you can donate money to CureFest. I made a donation. Some of my coworkers made a donation as well because I invited my coworkers to, to do the walk with me. Or you can also raise funds for specific organizations that are there. So organizations that we know and love, like Alex's Lemonade Stand, they have a presence there. And then some other well-known like um, national organizations are there, so you could put the funds towards them too. But completely optional. If you volunteer for like the walk, for example, which is what I did, that's completely free too. Mm -hmm. uh, so really it's just to get it's, it's more of like an advocacy event um, and to raise awareness. So everybody that comes on the podcast, I always like to ask them, uh, what motivates you to do the work that you do in terms of teaching yoga and going into your yoga trauma teacher training and what motivates you to be a part of that? The main thing that really motivates me is... I feel happy and most aligned when I am helping others feel loved and supported. And I truly believe that one of my biggest missions in life is to help others feel sparkly and in the end help realize their power and strength. And that's a huge gift that I am able to receive through teaching. Um, I noticed that even in our family dynamic, Jack, like, I feel like I just fall into that role of really helping others and making sure that I'm there for other people. So I feel happy when other people feel loved and supported. And at the end of the day, I mean, I do all of this to 
just spread love essentially. Do you feel like when you're giving love and help to other people, it fills up your heart too? Yeah, it really does. Um, I, I guess I'm just one of those personality types that is more, I fall into like a, a helper role, but it, I don't do it from more like an egocentric place. It, it feels really genuine to me. I'm not doing it to get anything out of it, but I identify so closely with friends and family and when they're happy, I'm happy. Um, I'm a very empathetic person, so I can really pick up on how others are feeling. And I just, I love people. I love making people happy. Yeah. And it's funny that you said that because today, you know, cried a couple times because it just kind of hit me again that like we're going through all this and, you know, it was kind of the roller coaster of like being in the hospital for four days and then coming home and still be being like in that go mode of like, okay, I have to do laundry. I have to clean the apartment. I have to do the dishes. I have to get everything back in order. And then we had the music therapist come today along with the visiting nurse and like Ollie had the temper tantrum <laughs> right before they came. And as soon as they walked in the door, I just started crying. So like, and then in that respect, to connect to what you were saying, in order for me to feel better, I felt like I had to kind of reach out to some people in the Almama Care community and see how they're doing today. Yeah. Because that kind of helped me, again, not in a way where I'm like, you know, looking for any praise or anything like that. But when I'm really hurting, it helps me to reach out to other people because I feel like I'm at least helping someone else. Cause that in turn makes me feel better. It's oh, a weird, yeah. it's a weird connection like that. You oh know? God, totally. I mean like per it gives you perspective. Yeah. That really even though you're hurting, which is completely valid and it's also really important not to compare trauma and compare grief, like what you are feeling is so valid but also to know that other people are hurting alongside with you, or maybe they're struggling with the same exact thing. It just makes you feel really connected to mm -hmm. humanity as a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. something that I always come back to whenever I lead women's circles in DC, like a lot of women open up and I have women in my circles ranging from 23 to 65 at the end of the day we're all struggling with the same exact things and the same exact emotions that's always my takeaway we're all connected and we're all struggling and we're all like we're just experiencing such similar emotions so it makes you feel less isolated to know that other people are right there with you and experiencing the same things or similar things. So or even if they sense. don't know exactly what you're going through, at least they know that you're, you know, an ear to listen to, or, you know, it's, it's that one little text that you get like, Hey, how's it going? Where you're bawling when you're typing it, but you really do appreciate, you know, somebody reaching out or even if you don't feel like responding, you just know like, Oh, they, they're thinking about me today. Mm -hmm. So Mayor, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the podcast. And if anybody is in the DC area, feel free to reach out to Mary, or even if you're not in the DC area, feel free to reach out to her. 
Um, she is a woman of many talents, and I know that she's really, really anxious to do great things with this All Mama Care community. And I'm super jazzed about it because today on Instagram, I posted or I did a live chat um, about the um, private Facebook group that I started. So I had started a couple months ago, and then, you know, things, life got busy. But um, really, I created it for the community as a space and a board for you guys to talk to each other and really just focus on the things that you're going through in real time. So please feel free to take advantage of that board. Again, it's all private. Uh, so whoever is in the group will be able to see it. And those that are not a part of the group obviously won't be able to see it. So obviously, I just want to be really sensitive about any information that we put out on the internet. So Again, Merit, thanks so much for your time. Thank I'm you. super pumped to get this out to everybody. Thank you. And I am really looking forward to doing some trauma yoga, either yeah. podcast or maybe some YouTube videos if we get a little fancy. Totally. Yeah. So, so definitely everybody stay tuned and we have a lot of good stuff in the pipeline. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. thank you. I love you so much. Love you too. Love you Check out the show notes for the links to find more about your love language, read about CureFest, and check out Mary's personal website and learn more about her trauma yoga teaching. If something from this episode stuck with you, I'd love to hear from you. Click the link in the bio to check out my link tree. Feel free to message me on Instagram or Facebook and tell me what you thought. Click and join the private All Mama Care Facebook group to connect with me directly and other listeners. You can even send me a voicemail. Just click on the link titled Send an All Mama Care Voicemail to Jackie.